Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. You can watch us, too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And you know what? The Mississippi State family is on all of our hearts and minds today as they are honoring the life of Coach Mike Leach with a memorial of his life and legacy. And our guest today, David Dallas, is also honoring the life and legacy of another Mississippi State legend. That would be U.S. Senator John C. Stennis in his A Gentleman from Mississippi. Would you call it a docu- documentary, David, or <laughs> well, an it, audio? It, it, was a, it was a one-man show. It was a play that, uh, that I wrote and was produced and, and got to travel the country with in 2000. But uh, I haven't done the show live in a long time, and, and I get asked to do it live. And about two years ago, my wife and I put together an audio version of the play, which we put up online. We're, we we decided if, if people want to donate, that's fine. But I just wanted to keep it up for, for free for posterity's sake because I just feel like the story is an important one. I feel like the life of John Stennis is very important. And I do want to give a shout-out to the folks at – Mississippi State and in the Mississippi, our Mississippi State family uh, over the loss of our head football coach Mike Leach. It's just been a sad time to be a bulldog. It has so. been, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel too, and you mm-hmm. feel like you know a life well lived is always something worth celebrating. Absolutely, and that was definitely Mike Leach, and it does also feel like um, I guess Senator Stennis. And so, from my perspective, uh, I listened to it this morning. It's a it's an hour and eighteen minutes and thirty eight seconds. It's, pretty, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty short show. It yeah. is a short show, and yeah. it goes by fast. And for someone who is not into politics at all, that's what makes good things great. I came at it just from an from an interest of I know the name Stennis. We celebrate all the things that happen at Stennis Space Center here on on Good Things. We love it. Mm-hmm. I love the saying: If you want to go to the moon, you have to go through Mississippi. <laughs> so I came at it as curiosity. Okay, how did this man get his name on a NASA center? You know, I kind of knew a little bit of the parts. And as I was listening to it, David, I'll have to admit, anybody who has cared for an elderly loved one or been a caretaker for someone who is older, you will love this because it could, you feel like you're sitting in a room drinking coffee or tea or maybe having a beer, I don't know, <laughs> um, with someone wise in years who is just sharing their decades of life experiences, you know, sort of with you from, from that end. And for me, regardless of 
a lot of the politics I didn't understand. Um, it was so enjoyable, Thank and you. it was it was it was pleasurable too. Like I enjoy, like I felt like it was my grandfather in so, in some way. You know, that's I, I didn't I never knew my grandfathers. They died when I was very young. So when I went to grad school and this opportunity, I, well, I can explain how it came up because it was kind of, that's also kind of funny. Uh, when this opportunity came up, I took it because I just I loved my grandmothers and. Uh, so when I was living at the house with the senator, that is what it felt like. It felt and, – and it was tough. I'm not – if you've cared for a person, particularly a loved one, you know how difficult that is when they get on in years. And and I wasn't connected to the senator in that way as family or anything like that. I was just a grad student who just happened to get selected to live in the house with him. And I think yeah. explain that mm-hmm. because that is something interesting. I feel like uh, not many folks get that opportunity no. for their university to invite them back, put them up for, you know, to live, and then provide <laughs> them with students to well, basically yeah, live that, with them. I think I think when – there were a lot of people that had worked with the senator, and he, his mind was, was really sharp. His body was deteriorating. And there were some things that, you know, I think they were seeing and they they wanted him to do what he wanted to do after he retired from the Senate. So uh, his staff there decided, well, let's just bring him to Mississippi State. Donald Zacharias, who was the president of Mississippi State at the time, said, yeah, let's do this. They gave him, gave him a home on Highway 82, the old Clyde Q. Sheely home uh, across from the Research Park on 80, 82 in, in Starkville. And so – but they decided – the senator said that he wanted to have two graduate students in the political science department, which is where he got his degree from at Mississippi State in politics, political science. He wanted them to come and stay at the house and serve as what was then called the aides in residence. But aides at that time had a different connotation, uh, so we had to change the name to staff in residence. And, and they s- – interviewed i guess probably about 10 or 15 uh young men what drew you to the opportunity well David? I, again because i just I, I i'm i'm funny that way i mean I, I find old people fascinating i love history and just i mean john stennis they named an, a nuclear powered aircraft carrier after him so i knew that i felt like it was an important opportunity uh for a young person to have and i was doing well enough in graduate school that i thought Hey, I, I can do this, um, and I still managed to do well in graduate school in spite of, you know, l- tough nights. Um, you know, as the play points out, I mean, he had trouble sleeping. He would wake up in the middle of the night and think he had to go to a committee meeting, and we would get dressed at three o'clock in the morning, and we'd get in his car and we'd start driving out somewhere, and he'd look at me and say, "Now, where are you taking me again?" So, so the know. age difference. Mm-hmm. Were you old enough, David, at this time to possibly be his? Grandson, great great grandson, because I was twenty, I was twenty, twenty-two years old, and he was ninety. So you share in a gentleman from Mississippi that Senator um, he, he sent us. He makes it to Washington for the first time in nineteen forty-seven. Right. So I was doing the math. I was like, my dad would have been four. Right. And so to sort of think about like in terms of generations or or where the world was in that, and in the beginning of of the um, I guess the play. You are very intentional with, I guess, the collage of it's almost like newspaper headlines or mm-hmm. maybe something of the time. Where does it start out? Like where where would you say, I guess, what was going on around mm-hmm. that time? Well, when- in, in, in the 40s for, for him, you know, the war had just ended. Um, he, Theodore Bilbo, uh, you know, pretty notorious senator from Mississippi, had just this, what a name! This, I know the senator. I know. Well, it's because we we look at it now and think, wow, that's Theodore Bilbo. And he's got his own sort I of think legend. Lord of the Rings, exactly. Bilbo Baggins. Well, exactly. He was no Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> but he, uh, but he, you know, the Senate, the U.S. Senate, had refused to seat him um, because of some of the things that he had done in this, you know, just basically 
illegal things that he had done. So the Senate refused to seat him. He died of cancer. Uh, they had to have a special election, and Stennis won the special election with less than fifty percent of the vote. I think the you know there was a, it was a plurality. Um, so when Stennis won, he got there in forty seven. There were a lot of issues to deal with in terms of the Marshall Plan, and then of course within you know five to well actually fifty four they had the um, Brown versus the Board of Education decision, and he had to make a call about whether or not he wanted to support public schools, and he decided that he did because there was definitely a move in this state to to disband public schools after that decision and the senator said no we're gonna we're gonna make it we're gonna make this work now did he do it the way everybody wanted him to do no but does uh, any, is no, any politician? E- no exactly and that's one of the things and, and i shared this with you before we came on the air that he said he was very proud to be and very fortunate to be a senator from mississippi at that time because he was able to change his mind and he was able to make mistakes. And, and I think one of the and – and the play points this out. One of the key areas of that is the Vietnam War and the war in uh, Southeast Asia. Um, the senator was very much opposed to sending troops over there for the longest time. But once they were there, he wanted to be fully committed to helping them win. And then as he got frustrated with the progress of the war – he wrote the War Powers Act, which he, I mean, he authored that, and which curbed the president's power to send troops to overseas or to to put our troops in harm's way. He wanted Congress to make that decision, not a president. Uh, so, I mean, he he, you know, people nowadays would say, "Oh, well, he flip flopped on this. He flip flopped." You know on that. better, you do better. That's that's right. And when you and see you, the circumstances, you understand and, and roll with them. So, and then yeah. also, what type of character, no matter what side of the fence, it mm-hmm. takes for anyone to. Have the courage to say, oop, not oops, yeah, not in that right, way, but right. like, hey, look, I've got more evidence, I've got more insight, I've got more whatever, and you know, let's 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 pivot, let's do something different. This right, is not okay. Right. And I think, man, we are missing that, right? We're we, missing no matter yeah, no matter what side all, of the aisle you're yeah. on, we we are we are missing those sort of reasoned voices, the people that can step back and see, you know, what we need to do, as opposed to uh, waving a banner uh, to try to get people behind them. It's let's do what's best for or the country. Are going at all costs? Yeah. Okay, so you would have been um, maybe his great grandson age <laughs> when you first met Senator Sinnott. Right. What were your preconceived notions going in well my preconceived notions you wouldn't have been alive in 47 no no and i was i was nervous i mean i i I knew about politics my dad was you know very interested he's a historian worked at delta state for a long time so i i'd kept up with stennis and what he'd done and and i remember doing a a mock debate against somebody in 82 where i had to represent uh senator stennis's side and they represented haley barber who was running for against 81 81 yeah when he was running even born yet (laughs) i was but anyway so I so I was curious, you know. I just was excited about the fact that this this gentleman was really one of the most powerful men in the United States Senate for so many years. But when I met him the first time, I will admit, you know, he was frail. He was uh, not as you know as lucid as as I you know thought he would be, and that that really kind of waned in the two years that I was with him. I mean, he just he lost a lot of his ability to to think and reason and that and but he didn't got lose frustrated. his ability to storytell no, which that you was, captivated yeah. in a gentleman from mississippi we've got that and more coming up next okay. with david dallas and said many times many ways merry christmas to you 
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. <laughs> you know you do it every time you hear that song. You can watch good things when you're on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. You'll see we're continuing our conversation with David Dallas. He honors the life and legacy of U.S. Senator John S. Dennis with a gentleman from Mississippi. It was originally performed as an 80-minute play, but you and your wife have turned it into this beautiful audio experience that you're just providing to people for free. Right. Let's go back to the uh, – there's so much of his life I want to get to, but also – just this product that you created, there's a lot of um, talent and I'm sure effort that went into just the original 80-minute uh, play. What made you think well, of doing that? Like, well, I, I, I had a, I worked for the feds for a while after I finished my grad school experience. Then I went and worked for Drexel University in Philadelphia doing international program work for them. But I, I gave it all up to become a professional actor and writer and stand-up comic. And I had written a couple of shows. I did some stand-up comedy. I, I, I wrote a show called Barking Dogs, which was very blue. But uh, while I was doing the show, I was talking with the director, man who was helping me do it. And he, I was telling stories about John Stennis. And he said, you know, that's the show you really need to write. And within a three or four months' time, I had written the show. I sat down with him and several producers and did the show in front of them. And it was, and after I was finished, I was like trying to catch my breath. And he he looked at me and he said, "Man, that show is wonderful. Those are great stories. It's way too long. It was two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. Oh, you of, were exhausted. Of, of a one man show. I mean, right. and I, we didn't take an intermission or whatever. I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, anyway, he 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 had a man work another man work with me, a guy named Rico Rossetti who was working at New York University uh, Drama School now, um, and he. Uh, Helped me edit the show. I've got we got it to about a, an hour and forty minute version, then an hour and thirty minute version, and now for the audio we did a like you said about a eighty minute version of the yeah. show, and it's a, it's it's a lot of fun and 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 it was it was a, a real labor, but it turned out great. And getting a chance to tour it around the country the way I did for about three years. I mean, it's how I really it's how I, it's how I ate as an actor and was able to pay the rent for a number of years. I got to do it in Seattle. I got to do it on the aircraft carrier named after John C. Stennis. Oh, that's special. It was awesome. And then in Wisconsin and uh, San, down in San Diego and in Florida and uh, North Carolina, Virginia. And I've got, really got an out, a lot of great opportunities. Would any of his surviving family, although now they would well, be great-grandchildren, right, great-greats. His, his daughter got to see the show uh when I did it at the Stennis Space Center, in fact, uh, that was probably about 2001. And and it, it was hard for me to do that show in front of her. I've got to be honest. I, I, it, I remember being really uncomfortable doing certain certain parts of the show in, in front of Margaret Jane. He he, he loved Margaret Jane. Uh, and so and she was just so special because she would come visit us quite a bit when we were taking care of the senator. Um but it was it, it but she was so sweet after the show was over and she said, I know you love my daddy and I did. I did love John Stennis. And I'm sure that that wasn't from day one. You developed that sort of affection mm-hmm. for him. I mean, 
you you hear that all the time. I mean, you were with him, you right. know, all the time. You were his primary caregiver there, at least, you know, in mm-hmm. the evenings and overnight. And so mm-hmm. you have to develop more than just a working relationship if you're human, right? Yeah, right. And with someone who is such a storyteller. So I asked you, you know, what were your preconceived notions when you first met him? You worked with him for two years and you had all these stories. Was there a transformation of how you yeah, saw I, I, him? I realized that he was just a man and he was a man that was just trying hard his whole life. And he uh, he loved his family. He loved you know he ta- he would talk about his parents, and you know and they had passed away years and years ago. He would he would talk about people, and you just knew how much how much he appreciated his life and and how humble he was. When you think about a, a politician that had the power that he had, his humility amazed me. Um, he would have conversations with his wife. Um, he would look in the mirror and he would be talking. I would think to himself, and then I'd realize, no, no, he's talking to his wife. And you know, so that was that was a big part of him. He was just he was so human, and uh, and that's what I think I enjoyed so much about that experience. Do you feel like many of your audiences who come in to see a gentleman from Mississippi who probably they're get, mm-hmm. they're coming as a fan, probably a senator Stennis mm-hmm. to start? Do they leave after 80 minutes with a different perspective? I, I think they do. And I think some people come as fans. But I'll tell you, I've, I've done this show in locations where people did not like John Stennis and what he stood for. Um, you know, that he was a senator from Mississippi and they only equated his, you know, his uh, his record on civil rights uh, to, to who John Stennis was. And, yeah, that was not a great record. But, you know, later in life, again, he changed his mind and voted for the extension of the Voting Rights Act. I mean, there were things that. He recognized, and his word on that is, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I just want us to move forward. I mean, he knew. I think he knew deep down that he'd made mistakes in that area. Um, but so that's so the the thing to me, I think, is really interesting. That people come in and they've got a preconceived notion about a politician and who a person is, and then they realize, you know, that everybody everybody gets old. Yeah. Everybody does the best they can in life, and some people do make bad decisions. Some people, thankfully, are able to atone for those decisions that they've made, and, and I think in a lot of ways John Stennis did that. That was another piece while listening to a gentleman from Mississippi, I felt like, too. It goes to show even those that are the most powerful or sometimes we put our most hope in. And then even again, because you have such this connection with the way you present his part of it, that that's like your family member. But you kind of put your family member in that shoes. And so whether it's like you think your dad is 10 foot tall and bulletproof or it is your own grandfather, you know, whomever mm-hmm. it be, it's that it's that real sort of realization that all things great come to an end, at least on this side of the dirt, right? And they so do. even the strongest um, of, you know, of our Goliaths, they will, they will, you know, they will age and they will frail and they'll become vulnerable. And it's it's beautiful, but it's also moving mm-hmm. in the same sort of way because you, you kind of, you hear in his voice or in your voice of, of his that, you know, he still wants, he doesn't want people to, to see that he's gotten a little bit no. more vulnerable. <laughs> no, that's right. He he didn't. He was he was very. I mean, he, he, there was there was there was pride in that. He he knew he had a, he had an image to put out to people, and he wanted to make sure he did that. He'd want to have a suit and tie on every day, even when we had nothing to do. 
I would say, Senator, we don't have to get dressed. Oh, yes, we do. You know, and so we'd I'd put his cufflinks on and everything. He'd be dressed to the nines. And, you know, we'd hope that people would come by. And a lot of times people did. I mean, that was another thing. We were very fortunate. We had Sam Nunn and Mark Hatfield and all these senators who would come, Joe Biden, that would come to Starkville and, and, and spend time with, with the senator because they just loved him so much. Did he ever he, mention, David, what he would have done had he not gone into politics? Well, he was a judge. He was a judge, but he was also a farmer. Uh, but uh, you know, he told stories about how tough farming was. But he was he was a judge, and I think he was a good judge in Mississippi. Now he made again some pretty hard decisions, and some people would view those as well that, that was race related, or you know he was a racist judge. But you know, again, you know, you look at the time period that he was in. I think he recognized that some of those decisions were wrong too as he got older in life. You mentioned too, and a gentleman from Mississippi that there was an opportunity maybe for him to get to the Supreme. Oh Court. yes, that's a, then, that's I right. Know, he did, but you wonder. Oh, like how so would that have changed the trajectory of his life or even the country's or yeah, Earl, that would have Earl, like? Earl Warren or John Stennis I mean it really doesn't give you an idea of what of what could have potentially been was he bitter about that at all no I don't think he was bitter but I don't think he I think he was a little bit disappointed that the because Eisenhower was the one that wanted to appoint him to the Supreme Court, and Eisenhower was a big Republican. But the other Republicans with working with Eisenhower at the time was like, no, no, we can't, we can't have John Stennis. He's a Democrat. He's not conservative enough. Well, you know, then they got Earl Warren. So you know, and he was a Republican. <laughs> He's who Eisenhower wound up choosing. So it's just fascinating how, yeah, it probably would have changed the trajectory of the Supreme Court. And I don't want to say for better or for worse. It just would, but have. It just would have been different. It just yeah. would have been different, mm-hmm. and the headlines would have been different here in Mississippi Absolutely. too, right? Absolutely. In that respect. And we, you know, it also gives you pause when you look back over someone, what, 40 years, 40, 50 years as a public servant, 60, I think mm-hmm. maybe was the number. How many how many choices or decisions could a Senate in a different way? Like if you look mm-hmm. back, you know, reflection-wise, and you see how all the pieces fell together right. for you to even have a career that yeah. long in something specific. Yeah, um, it, it would have changed. Yeah. I, one of the things I also point out to, this, uh, to folks is the senator probably could have run again in 1988, as old as he was. I've been and probably still <laughs> and probably still won. You know, uh, it, it, but but you know he got real discouraged towards the end of his career about how much money was in politics, and he would bring that up a lot. He said, you know, I I couldn't run now because of how much money and how the money's being used. You know, because they changed a lot of the campaign uh, regulations in the 1980s and sort of changed things up. And he he had put a gentleman. Um, uh, I think his name was not Joe McCarthy, but Eugene McCarthy, a senator, to study you know what this could potentially mean. And McCarthy wrote a book not later, much later, called uh, "The Best Senate or The Best Congress Money Can Buy." And uh, the senator would pull that book out and say, "This is the problem that we're going to have in this country right now." So just it's just fascinating. Even it, as he got older, he just he cared so much about this country and in the direction it was headed in. So. There are several times you nod to the fact that he was um, Senator Stennis from the golden generation or from mm-hmm. that specific generation. Right, right. And they and you wonder where that kind of moral value or just sort of ethics and mm-hmm. work um, work ethic and all that sort of went. Not that folks, some folks don't no, still I think, have it. Right, but. but I think it goes back to what I just mentioned. I think the senator was discouraged because he felt like people, good people would not run for public office because of the money. And, and all yeah, the other yeah. social media. Could you yeah, imagine gar- social media? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would have never survived that. Yeah, he would have never survived that. Well, we're going to survive another uh, <laughs> segment with, uh, with David Dallas coming up next. Thank you. tonight. Then now the reindeer loved him As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You go down 
Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. forget you can listen to good things we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm we're also streaming from the supertalk mississippi app and of course you can find us on your local supertalk mississippi radio station we're continuing our conversation with david dallas he is the i guess the creator of a gentleman from mississippi which is based on the life of senator john c stennis and i have to ask david because we are such uh, i guess space nerds here on good things or we at least appreciate mm-hmm. space what limited we know uh, i know as much about space as i probably do about politics <laughs> Politics, but I'm fascinated by both, right? Um, and I've, I've actually had the the great honor of going and touring the Cine right. Space Center. That was pre-COVID. Um, I've never seen one of their tests in action, which I hear hopefully one day that may may uh, get to be the be mm-hmm. the case. But listening to a gentleman from Mississippi coming up on when Kennedy called him yeah. about we're going to the moon, and I think he said, "Good luck." <laughs> That's right. Some, have a good trip. Or have a good trip, <laughs> or something like that. You're reminded that what's there now that you see and in all of its glory and that, you know, now we're talking about different kinds of trips and excursions and all that started out as an idea. And one senator saying, don't forget, think about Mississippi. He he, and and listen, he he could have pushed it really hard, but he didn't. He and, and, and he was proud of not pushing it too hard. He really felt like he just wanted the Kennedy's team. To look and and at, you know at the time they didn't have NASA exactly that it was uh, another uh, board within the Department of Defense but he wanted them to look at at um, at, at Mississippi as a place to to build the rocket testers because he also knew he said you know they're going to always have to test the rockets that's always going to have to happen mm-hmm. you know no matter how how far we get with the space program there's always going to be that so he knew that that would be good for Mississippi but they came in and and they looked and they they agreed it was a it was a good place to be and he was so proud of that he was so proud of the way Mississippi put that together when the team came down and looked and as a, and as at a the time location. wasn't that the second largest the second largest construction site after the Hoover Dam uh, and, and and that's another thing the senator was incredibly proud of because that was a lot of money and resources a lot of attention and energy given to the state of Mississippi and certainly it has been just a boon to the coast of Mississippi and and it's helped the whole state so. and um, what great pride we should all take in the fact that that's here and if you want to get to the moon you have to come through Mississippi, Mississippi for- which is just like just <laughs> incredible to even you know even and if think you're going to get to mars you're going to all of these other all things are going to happen, right. are gonna happen mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. you mentioned though the farming and the fact that he loved mississippi uh, senator stennis so much what did you learn of him about you know him as a mississippian pre-politics pre-whatever you know where I, was home where well, you know home was in decab uh in kemper county mississippi he uh he was a, a farmer, or his fa- family were. They were farmers. His his sisters. He had older sisters that were school teachers, and they really stayed on him. He was he was the baby in the family, and uh, and his best friend was an African American male uh, that he would go hunting with uh, 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 quite a bit. And he said much later in life, you know, when he when he met him while he was a senator, he said, you know, that young man was just as smart as me. I just had more opportunities than he had, and you know that kind of recognition. 
too, was I think really part of who he was. He wanted people in Mississippi to have opportunities. I, I, I don't have this story in the play, but talking about the Brown versus the Board of Education, um, Senator Eastland was one of the people who just said, hey, we'll just disband the public schools in Mississippi and, and run the schools the way we want to. And Senator Stennis was a was a junior senator at the time, you know, so he had to answer to Eastland. Eastland had been around a little bit longer. And he said he went home that night and talked to his wife a lot about it because he really believed in the public school system and making sure that everybody had the opportunity to learn. And he went to Jim Easton's office the next morning. He said, Jim, I'm I'm not going to side with you on this. In fact, I will fight you on this. And he said it, that Eastland earned his respect that you know, over that that conversation. And uh, and you know, again, you know, they weren't public schools in Mississippi are still struggling, but at least we have the opportunity, and most children do have good opportunities. And that's one of the other things I want to tell you, Rebecca. I work for the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Mississippi Delta. It's how I get to listen to your show because I travel around to about 10 different club communities in the Delta, and I've really enjoyed listening to your show. And you you seem like such a fun person. And you really are. At least for an hour. Well, I was going to say, it works. (laughs) You You can fake anything for an hour. You do a good job. But, you know, one of the things that we try to do at the Boys and Girls Clubs is make sure that children know that there are opportunities out there for them. And some of them have to work a little bit harder to build those and create those opportunities than others, you know, depending on their, you know, their zip code that they live in, actually. But, uh but those opportunities are, are there, and we, uh, we we try to make sure that they take advantage of them. And, again, it just goes back to the Senate. It's one of the reasons I, I do what I do. The senator really made that kind of an impact on me, you know, letting me know that you know, all children, everybody needs that chance. Uh, the the story is escaping me, Rhino, but it's the from the Boys and Girls Club in Macomb. It's the football player for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, he was – Jones? Uh, Rhino's going to help me out with it. But but he gives big credit to the Boys and Girls yeah. Club, oh, yeah. and he comes back and really helps with uh, with their the turkey drives and some other things. And he credits them giving him just the, like, the light oh, absolutely. of what's possible. We, we actually met with a group of, of – uh, of, of, of young women that are actually working in the medical field now that credit their Boys and Girls Club. For Trevarius the, Ward. Oh, Trevarius. That's yes. right. That's right. Gotcha. Yep. Sorry, go Chiefs. <laughs> 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 I know football as well as I know politics That's and, awesome. That's and whatever awesome, else, Rebecca. too. Um, but I think but I think it's good to know, you know, again, you, you have these sort of preconceived ideas of who these gentlemen are or women are now in terms of our politicians. But at the end of the day, they're still just people. That's right. And um, you would... You you know, and but the, it does feel like there's, it's a different time, yeah. or you, and you're getting sort of a different whatever. And yeah, because he did, he had a pet dog and a pet pig. I yes. mentioned that in the show too. Yes. I mean, he, so he grew up as a just a, a Mississippi farm kid who uh, wanted to ha- let everyone have this those same opportunities. Mm-hmm. I know you had the opportunity to go um, take him back to, to cab. I got tickled the way you weave in. <laughs> The timber and the beavers <laughs> in the play, it to me tickled me. I because I remember thinking, and you, you, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, but um, but you do, you do taking back to check on the beavers. Yeah, he he had that was one of the things that really bothered him. But he was consumed with it um, when I was taking care of him. He wanted to, he wanted to go back to Temp- Kemper County check on his timber because he had a lot of timberland there, and he'd heard somebody had just given him a report that there had been some beaver damage to his timber, and he wanted to see it and he just wouldn't take anybody's word for it that it had been taken care of so and i will tell you mississippi state did not want me to take him 
to Kemper County uh, because his house there just was not ready, equipped for him. But, you know, we snuck out and we went all the way to Kemper County and we spent a weekend there and we got to see the timber damage that the beavers had done. So, yeah. And, and which is just, but it reminds me, you know, even though there's these big grand things and probably no telling what kind of political decisions, there's still like your politicians have things back at home. Oh, there's that's still right. like that tie back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it humanized him, I think, uh, for yeah. me. I was saying, I was worried about the beavers. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a nice cap at the end of the show. It so. is a nice cap. <laughs> right. And I will say, not to give it away because I want folks to go and listen. Yeah, do. Please. Yeah. I, yeah, I do and where do you go to. listen? You can go to, you can type in stennisshow.com, S-T-E-N-N-I-S show.com. Or you can just type in a gentleman from Mississippi.com and it'll take you right there. And all you've got to do is put in your email and you can listen to it for free. I will not send you an email unless I just to say thank you. So. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Yeah. It's and it's worth the the one hour eighteen minutes and thirty eight seconds. I only know that because I literally listened to it <laughs> this uh, this morning. Um, it's it's worth your time and, and effort if you if um, if you just want a good story and to be entertained. Mm-hmm. But it, you you tug at the heartstrings at the end because you spent two years, David. With Senator Stennis, and then obviously you went on to. I went. I went to D.C. I worked for. I was working for what's now the State Department. At the time, it was called the U.S. Information Agency. It's kind of the propaganda arm, Force of America of the U.S. government overseas. And uh, and we. Uh, and anyway, I just came back for a vacation, and I wanted to see the senator, so I went by to see him. He was at St. Catharines in Madison at the time. So. And did you felt like he remembered you. I do. I, I think he did remember me. I don't think he really placed me, but he knew that I had worked with him, and uh, and he talked to me. And then when I, you know, one of the things I talk about in the show, and I get, don't want to give too much away, but, you know, I'd heard all these stories from him. And so when I got back to his little room at, at uh, St. Catharines, he had those picture, same pictures up on the wall. And so I, I went and pointed out the pictures to him and and I had to tell him some of the stories because he couldn't remember what and that is were. so relatable yeah. again going back to I feel like when you listen to a gentleman from Mississippi you we've all had loved ones or many of us listening that get to that age where you just gently have to remind them mm-hmm. who folks are or maybe like share a little bit about uh, the connection to them and then watching their eyes light up because somewhere in there they remember you you would hope or it comes back to life they, they do and what his, a gift that his, is his eyes did light up a few times yeah. and I, I was then that was really exciting for me too so. i think that also mm-hmm. reminds us you know when we spend time with our families to ask questions to listen to those oh, stories absolutely please do and yeah. and sit down with your family during the holidays particularly those older people and 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 find out <laughs> what they love so much about life and love yeah. so much about life well we've got a little bit more of life with <laughs> with david Dallas coming up next Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. 
If you hear this song and you don't do air drums, you're, are you even alive? <laughs> and if you are alive, go over. To I just Super go ahead and t- sing with it. Supertalktv.com on your computer or your mobile device. We're rounding out our conversation today with David Dallas. I hope you've enjoyed it. Regardless, I know we do, we never dive into politics and it's intentional here on Good Things. Um, and But I think just the life of someone who had such, um, I guess influence Mm -hmm. and sort of decision making here in Mississippi is worth sharing and that's U.S. Senator John C. Stennis if you're just joining us and you did the audio um, play A Gentleman from Mississippi. Where can we go find that again? Uh, You can go to StennisShow.com or AGentlemanFromMississippi.com All you've got to do is put in your email address and opt in and you can listen to it for free. For free and Mm -hmm. I highly encourage and I'm not just saying I genuinely thought that I would sort of skip through it this morning because I told you I'd make time to listen to it and then i started it and from start to finish i listened to it and enjoyed it and it, it's so well done but it's done with with care and intention and right. so i think we all can connect to those people in our life and i think no matter what you believe in terms of politics you'll appreciate the man no that's true and I mean, there's something in there for conservatives there's something in there for liberals there's just there's something in there for people who don't like politics at all but I mean, there's it's also something show. in there yeah. if mm-hmm. you that, that i mm-hmm. feel like we could all rally around and you, you it's not t- it's tangible but you can't really think like what's missing like right. what's missing in today's politics or, oh, in, or in sort of this idea that you can work across both aisles and he that, did I mean yeah. I, I say this all the time regardless of who the president was what party they knew that it, they, they always wanted to know what John Stennis thought about a certain policy because they knew that he could get the right amount of votes whether it was from the Republican side or from the Democratic side that, that people were going to respect his decision and what he thought about it so he what, was just that powerful. What did you learn about the man? What was over the years that you well, said with him? You know, well, I, I did a lot. You know, I read up more on him after I was living with him. I will say that. And I've, I've loved reading what other senators would say about him. And one of the best was, um, and I don't even know what party he was with, Bingham from New Mexico. He said, you know, what he did legislatively will fill volumes and volumes of libraries. He said, but he will never take credit for it. I mean, he wrote so much. People, one of the things I tell people, and I think this is in the play too, he memorized the entire Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That was before he went to law before school. Before he right? went to law school, he did. He he knew word for word. So he, it really meant something to him to take the time. And I, I, I can't imagine any of our current political leaders being able to no. quote three or four lines from any of those. Wouldn't that be a yeah. great sidewalk yeah. humor, whatever? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just, yeah. Yeah, just ask them if they could if they could tell, <laughs> tell us what the first sentence of the Constitution <laughs> was. Uh, but yeah, so that so it meant so much to him, and, and I think that sort of again, he did not want the limelight. Uh, he thought that belonged to. The president's. However, he would say, you know, there was a student at Mississippi State that asked him one time when we were there, uh, you know, Senator Stennis, how many presidents did you serve under? And he said, wait a minute, young man. I didn't serve under any presidents. I was a United States senator. I served with. Yeah. with. One of the things that I thought spoke very kindly to his character was after he was shot in 73, mm-hmm. he had to install something on his desk there to be able to stand. Right. We'll, we'll share that. Well, in the, in the Senate, you have to stand to speak, to be recognized. You have to be able to stand. And, this, of course, the senator was missing a leg and couldn't stand. And nobody would have cared if he had stayed in his wheelchair to speak. But he refused to do that. So he put a, a handle on his on the side of his desk, and he 
worked and worked to make sure that he could stand up effectively before he gave his first speech after returning. One of my favorite stories, and I won't ruin it because I genuinely want you to go and take a listen, especially if, you know, you're traveling for any good reason. A gentleman from Mississippi put it on and listen to it in the background. You won't regret it. It's it's definitely it's entertaining. It's uh, historical. But we will you everyone will relate to the church story (laughs) where sometimes it just takes the right person to shut someone (laughs) Up, so you can go get your fried chicken and no, get on with your. Uh, we had we always kind of struggled getting to church every Sunday. He wanted to go every Sunday, but you know, so we didn't make it every Sunday. But most Sundays we did. And Which had, church was it? It was the First Presbyterian Church on Main Street in Starville, and we he had it was a great minister. There it was a great church. Everybody loved seeing the senator there. Uh, but the minister was so good and so effective. He would finish his sermon every. Every Sunday, he's a Baptist. Oh, and he, he wasn't a Baptist. No, wasn't a Baptist. He was a Presbyterian. Yeah. Four minutes till four minutes to twelve. He wasn't Baptist. Yeah. That <laughs> he way. was not Baptist, uh, like I was. Or Church uh, yeah. of God. Lord, tax snacks. <laughs> but he would finish his sermon at four minutes to twelve every Sunday, and he had a, vi- a visitor come in, and, and, and it was a woman. And I, I will say, I think the senator was a little taken aback about seeing a woman in the pulpit because of his age and his generation. And we're going to leave that because yeah. you've got to go listen <laughs> to a gentleman from Mississippi again. David, where do we listen? Stennisshow.com or a gentleman from Mississippi.com. I genuinely enjoyed it and I appreciate your time here on Good Things Thank today. You, Rebecca. And you guys stick with us. We got Sports Talk Mississippi coming up next from three to six, but Rhino Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.